I do believe there's a word from the Lord today. I want to get into it. We'll be in Psalm 46. We have a tradition at our church. We say participation is better than observation. And so we ask that you rise to your feet uh, as we read the word of God. I'm going to read aloud out of the New King James Version. You can follow along uh, silently or you can whisper, you can mumble, uh, whatever, you, whatever you need to do. Uh, but we stand in reverence of the word of God. Not in just reverence of who's speaking. No, it's really in reverence in the word of God. You know, when a judge comes in, everybody stands up. And so we believe the word of God is worthy of reverence. Amen? Amen. Let us read. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That's good already right there. Verse 2, therefore we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, Though the mountains shake with its swellings, Selah, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations rage. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. I want to go back to verse 1 just for a moment for an emphasis. Just the first two words in verse 1. Uh, this is my title, topic, subject, and focus. God is. God is. God. That, matter of fact, I can get happy. I'm going to preach in just a second. This is just for all of us right now. Somebody shout, God is. God is. There we go. Amen. You may be seated. God is. God is. We'll see today in today's text that God is our refuge. He's the reason we can rejoice in the midst of trouble. He's our resolve. That's why we don't lose our cool when it seems like the world is falling apart. God is. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to be gathered together. Lord, we thank you for inviting us in this space, in this place. Lord, I do pray, Lord, that while we're here, that you would do something in us that could not be done anywhere else. Lord, we wouldn't dare just come into uh, your presence, into this moment where you have been lifted up through worship and expect natural things to occur. So, Lord, we expect the supernatural. We expect, Lord, while we're here, that you'll release exactly what your people need. Uh, we all came from different walks of life, different moments, situations, seasons, challenges, trials, and tribulations. Whatever we came through, Lord, I trust you can make the weak strong. I trust that you can heal the sick. I trust that you can find the lost. I trust that you can give direction to the confused. Lord, I trust that you can save those who thought they cannot be saved. You can love those who thought they were unlovable. God, I believe you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly. So God, even as I preach, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is. 
I don't know how many of you all have ever heard of Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law is, is the pessimist soundtrack. And when we hear it, uh, you know, the main moniker of that is anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And some of us, we have subscribed to that unknowingly, and we just believe if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. But I realized, doing a little bit more reading on this Murphy's Law, that that's the abbreviated version. There's other laws that are associated with this Ed Murphy, who is just a screaming pessimist. Uh, he says in any field or endeavor, anything that can go wrong will go wrong, law number one. Law number two, left to themselves, things always go from bad to worse. If there is any possibility of several things going wrong, the one that will go wrong is the one that will cause the most damage. Some of y'all should already be encouraged right there. Just like, man, I'm not the only one that think that. There you go. Number four, nature always sides with the hidden flaw. It's always a blind side somewhere. Number five, if everything seems to be going well, you have obviously overlooked something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Have you ever woke up in the morning and felt good? And you're like, yes. Hold on. I'm getting set up here. Some of us, we've subscribed to this thought that if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And some of us have justified this faithless, hope, hopeless mindset by justifying saying, I just want to be prepared. Most people that subscribe to this law might not even realize they subscribe to this law. It's just that in your heart, you believe that things will go wrong if they can go wrong. Now, some of us, you are here today. I don't know if you ever had the moment where you felt like your world was falling apart. Everything that you thought you could depend on just seems like it was crumbling. I don't know if you ever had the moment where it just seems like things went from bad to worse and it seems like you start saying stuff like, can it get any worse? I don't know if you ever been through a situation and you are afraid to ask that question because you're like, it can. And I just don't want it to get any worse as it is. I remember looking at one moment and said, man, when all these things are going, going wrong, I'm like, God, you got to be somewhere. I just must be in the wrong place because I don't sense you with me at all. And there are times when you are in the moment when you are tripping, your wife is tripping, your husband is tripping. Is this my mic? My mic is tripping. Amen. I'm good to go. My mic is tripping. Whatever it may be, when we find these moments, like you'll find in a moment that you'll begin to get upset about things that normally you don't even get that upset about. I don't know if you ever got mad at somebody for driving the speed limit. Here it is. You're trying to get your reckless driving ticket, and they're preserving your life. And you're like, why are you driving the speed limit? If you're in the passing lane, you should be passing somebody. What you're doing going 55 in a 55. Because when things seem to be going wrong, you get upset at stuff that you normally don't get upset about. You ever got mad? Somebody sit beside you, they breathe hard. Like, why are you breathing all hard? <laughs> they wearing perfume. Why are you doing that? You're messing with my allergies. Some of us, you just, I don't know, you sometimes you just feel like if things get so bad, your dog don't like bones no more, your fish don't like to swim no more, the squirrel don't want the nut, the cat don't want to meow. It's like, man, can anything get worse? But some of us, I don't know if you had that moment, you paid your car off because you finally got financial peace and then the check engine light come on. Uh-huh. You, fi you finally get the job that you wanted away from the people that you didn't like just to find out that the person that you didn't like got the job in the same place. 
You finally say, I found my church home. You come to the church home, this ain't like the other church, just to see the people that followed you from the other church right here too. Let's just face it, sometimes life throws us curveballs. Sometimes things don't happen as planned. But I'm glad that we got a God that understands the unplanned. We got a God that has already gone before us. We got a God that we can depend on when everybody else leaves us. There are times in our life that sometimes you'll feel like things are falling apart. And I know I started in a lighter note just to warm you up. But some of us right here, right now, you are in a moment and you look good from afar, but you're far from being good. In other words, you have dressed up nice. You came in here smiling. But if somebody was to catch what's happening in your life right now, they would be shocked that you can actually look sane when you you should be crazy. I know you're here right now. Your marriage is on the rocks. This is the first time y'all have set this close to each other. Other than that, y'all just roommates sharing bills and sharing kids, but they don't know that you are here hoping that God will move in your life. Some of y'all here right now, you just came from the doctor's office this week. You got a diagnosis you can't even ask somebody to pray for yet because you're afraid of it. Some of us, our lives are falling apart right now, but we're trying to hold it together by ourselves. And I know that you want to be strong, but I came to let you know today that in the presence of God you can actually be weak and in the presence of God while you're weak his strength is made perfect and I don't want you to try to hold up yourself just let God hold you up just for a few moments I want you to tap in and have faith that God has not forsaken you I want you to be able to grab from the ancients of faith that, that were able to orchestrate and write these words that we're going to reflect on today. And I want you to know you are not by yourself. As a matter of fact, I don't want to just preach to you. Preach to your neighbor for a moment and say, neighbor, you're not by yourself. Because so often... When we, are, when we are going through, when it feels like life is falling apart, we feel like we might be the only ones going through it. But I can't let you know, you're not by yourself. Not only are we in this room with you, but the God above you, he's with you too. As I look at Psalm 46, I'm encouraged by the context for this content that we're going to explore for a few moments. When you get the context of Psalm 46, it's hard to narrow down the exact situation that inspired Psalm 46. But what we can say, most likely there was a king, uh, maybe Hezekiah, maybe Jehoshaphat, that had experienced God showing up for them, God making a way out of no way, God winning a battle for them. Uh, and oftentimes it was like this, each king had a prophet that will walk with them and a psalmist that will record what God did. And you got to understand this. So when Hezekiah, he, he was a king, he had Isaiah. And Jehoshaphat had Jehaziel. Each king had a prophet that they walked with, but they needed a psalmist that could record what God did. So when we read the Psalms, the reason why so many people like the Psalms is because it's real people with real problems looking for a real God. Uh-huh. The Psalms go ahead and tell you, allow you to say things that you wish you could say. I don't know if you ever been reading the Psalms and David, he started bucking at his enemies. He's like, God, take them all out. And he's like, yes, it's in the word. I can't wait to see Melissa. God, take her out in the name. And you're like, whoa, David had to have some resolve somewhere. You got to read all the Psalms, right? But the Psalms are real people with real problems trying to trust a real God. 
And I think that's what expedites us to be able to close the context of Psalm 46 into our present moment right now. There's an example of what could have inspired Psalm 46. Second Chronicles chapter 20, you have the people of Israel and Judah about to be attacked by three different uh, enemies, three different kings. And, Jeho- and, and Jehoshaphat, he cries out to the Lord. They fast, they pray. It was a multi-generational moment. The children fasted and prayed and they asked God to intervene on their behalf because they knew if God didn't do it, it wasn't going to get done. They prayed and they fasted and they knew if God didn't do it, it wasn't going to get done. And sometimes you don't have real faith until you're in a situation that you know if God doesn't do it, it won't get done. See, some of us call little things faith. I'm talking about that faith like, God, if you don't come through, I'm done. Like, if you don't come through, we are all, it's a wrap. There's no hope. And and Jehoshaphat prayed. But when Jehoshaphat prayed, Jehaziel prophesied this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17. And many of us have heard this and maybe even thought Yolanda Adams made it up. Says, you will not need to fight in this battle. The battle is not yours, for the battle is the Lord's. Anybody glad that it's not your battle? Anybody glad that the Lord is fighting for us? Anybody glad that he's pushing back the darkness? Come on, that God is fighting for us. And so Jehaziel, he prophesies and he says, be still and see, uh, see the salvation of the Lord. Now, remember, I told you the king, he prayed, the prophet prophesied, but they had to have somebody to make it a song. And you had to have somebody that was in the booth all the times. What I say in the booth, y'all know what I mean? This person's always songwriting. And long before Usher said U-S-H-E-R-R-A-Y-M-O-N-D. Y'all know. All right. And so long before Babyface wrote any records, I'm saying that you had these folks that were appointed to be psalm writers to capture artistically the divine intervention of Yahweh Elohim God. And so as Jehaziel prophesied, the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. It says in 2 Chronicles 2019, then the Levites of the children of the Kohorthites and the children of the Kohorites stood up to praise God, the Lord God of Israel, with voices loud and high. And what did they say? Great is the Lord and his faithfulness endures forever. So you always had to have somebody to record that God did something. Now, these things could just seem arbitrary, but catch this. When you look at Psalm 46, you'll see at the top of it, it says, To the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah, a song for Alamoth. The sons of Korah, they were, they were instructed to write these songs, and they were writing for different parts of the choir. They was having church a long time ago. And so this song specifically was written for Alamoth. Alamoth is the female singers, which means they most likely sung in a high-pitched voice of soprano or alto. I would demonstrate that for you all, but I love you too much. And so they were singing in a high-pitched moment. Now, the purpose of the song being in a high-pitched moment, uh, in a high-pitched high octave, was because this song was meant to be sung loudly. It was meant to have a unique sound that pierces chaos. Because when you read 2 Chronicles, as they, sung a, as they sung a song, it says the Lord sent the ambush on the enemies. Is it safe to say that as we lift up praise to God, God releases power in our presence, okay? Uh, this is why the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. That when we lift them up, he begins to sit low. Somebody should be glad. Matter of fact, if I was sitting in the audience right now, I'll 
test it out. Hallelujah. Just to see if God's presence just to come in. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. They praise him. He began to fight. When you praise him the right way, power and presence, provision and providence is released from heaven. Test it out for five seconds. Shout a praise to our God. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. I believe. Hallelujah. As they sang, as they praised, God released intervention from heaven. Some of us been trying to figure it out. Lift up your voice and watch what God does. So, so again, just to, just, just, that's just the context. That's just the context. Now, when I get to this song and I read uh, this, this, this prophetic, this divine announcement, the first two words of this song, it says, God is. Oh, family, that preaches to me already. Uh, I, look, sometimes my elevator don't go to the top floor. Sometimes I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Sometimes I need my prophetic words just simplified. Sometimes I need the sermon. Just to, I might not remember everything. And I just want you to hear this one thing. God is. Uh, because God is is a complete statement. Mm -hmm. God is is a whole statement by itself. You got to remember that when God showed up to Moses at the burning bush, when Moses says, who will I say sin? me. God gave a complete, incomplete statement for anybody else. He says tell them I am. <laughs> Come on. He been him long before anybody else was. He said I am. And Moses is like what? That's a complete statement because when God says something it might not make sense to man but God created man and he'll make sense out of no sense and God is is a complete statement. As a matter of fact, if you need some help understanding this theological survey of who God is, let me give you a couple suggestions. God is infinite. God is self-existent. God is self-sufficient. God is all-powerful. God is ever-present. Let me say, oh my God, God is omniscient, which means he knows all things. God is omnipotent. He has all powers. God is omnipresent. He's sovereign. God is holy. God is merciful. God is love. God is faithful. Is anybody in here glad that God is God is all you need he is able yes he is God is that's a complete statement some of y'all need to wake up Monday morning and just say God is walk into your job God is look at your wife and look at your husband God is look at your bank account God is just proclaim that he is because wherever he is he's all what it is needed He's not God and, it is God is. He's the sum total of our satisfaction. He's all we need. And that's just the first two words, but let me keep going here. Uh, because it says God is, and specifically in Psalm 46, uh, this is what the, this is what the, the sons of Korah wanted to highlight. Uh, this is their testimony. God is our refuge. Uh, God is our refuge and strength and our ever-present help, our very present help. And so when I look at this, when we read this in Psalm 46, we see God is our refuge. And let me pause for a moment because we are in a hyper-educated dumb society. Excuse me if I'm rude. Uh, Y'all clean this up next week. Uh, but... We're hyper-educated, but we've also gotten more stupidity within our knowledge. Well, I'll tell you, one of the most endangered species right now is common sense. Mm -hmm. It's an endangered species, y'all. And it's getting sniped all the time. All right, let me keep going here. 
Because we say God and people have now dumbed down God. Because, you know, uh, I see I grew up, I'm, I'm raised part hip-hop, part Baptist. And I don't know what you do with that. <laughs> Both of them was like a religion. Like, uh, I knew Jesus wept, but I also knew this year Halloween fell on the weekend. If y'all don't know what I'm talking about, you are right. Oh. <laughs> and so, and so, when, so, you know, people be like, yeah, you know, God, he be looking out for me. And they G-A-W-D, right? You know, God, be, you know, the man upstairs, you know, only God can judge me. I'm like, homie. Only God can judge you. That's, you should be scared. <laughs> Based on the life you live, only God. You better hope uh, the OG God can judge you. But God, the big G, mm-mm, you don't want that smoke. Like, so, people, so people doing the down God. But we got to understand, when they said God in Hebrew, Yahweh, uh, that's what we say. And we added vowels to it. But it was literally, it was like a breath. They were afraid to mention Elohim's name. Yahweh, Yahweh. And so they would be nervous in it. Like even if you look at those uh, traditional Jude, uh, Judean uh, teachers, they would never write Yahweh on the board and erase it. They'd rather just not write the name. That's how much reverence they had for it. And so when he said God is our refuge, he's saying God, Elohim, Almighty, the Creator, the Lord, he is our refuge. It's important to understand the material in which our refuge is built out of. Because when you hear the word refuge, that is a safe place. That is a, it's like a bomb shelter. It's a secret place. It's a secure place. And when you think about a bomb shelter, there's a difference between a bomb shelter and a she shed. Right? The she shed can have flowers and mulch around it, have some little electricity in it, got a little fan, some essential oils with a diffuser. It could do all of that. But if a bomb go off, that cute she shed ain't going to do nothing. So when it says God is our refuge, you got to recognize that he is, he's built different, right? Because he built everything. So in other words, he's our refuge, and so he's ready to protect us from anything that is created. And he created everything. Y'all, y'all missed it, huh? And so anything that the enemy threw at you had to be created. And so the one who created all things said, let me be your refuge. Because creation cannot be creator. God is our refuge. And when you get to this idea of secret place, the Lord cares, the Lord covers, the Lord comforts us in this secret place. The Lord is your refuge, not your job, not your spouse, not your children, not your 5,000 square feet, not your dog, not your money, not your retirement plan, not your health insurance. None of that is your refuge. Who is your refuge? God is. God is your refuge. Psalm 91 verses 1 through 2 said, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Now I like this because it says God is my refuge and strength. So not only can I hide in Him, but He's saying I'll hide in you. That when you recognize God is your strength, strength comes from the inside. And so he said, if you hide in me, I can hide in you too. Uh, because he is our strength. This is why his strength can be made perfect in our... Uh-huh. Because when you recognize greater is he that is... 
then he who is in the world, you recognize God saying, you get in me and I be in you. See, I know this is not Pentecost Sunday, but excuse me for a moment. You got to recognize in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on people. Uh huh. And then in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit dwelt in people because God wanted to show us, I don't want you just to be in me. I need to be in you too. Uh, because you need to have something that when you squeeze, you got more in you than what's against you. The Bible says you might be hard pressed on every side, but you will not be crushed. You might be struck down, but you will not be destroyed. You might be left in despair, but you'll never be left alone. Why? Because he is my strength. He's my strength. I'm not just in him, he in me. So when I get squeezed tight, they say Christians are like tea bags. You put them in hot water, you find out what's in them. But when you get put in hot water and God is in you, people see more of God than you. This is why you got to count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations. Because sometimes it's not until then people really know you're a Christian. When you decided to praise and pray instead of pop off, they say, oh, you must be saved. Y'all got to understand that when God is in you, no matter what comes against you, you already walking in victory. So he's my strength. Moses, he decided to chime in and he wrote a song right when they came out of the Red Sea. Imagine this, the children of Israel, they've come out of Egypt. They've been freed miraculously and they come out as a nation. They have the Red Sea in front of them and they have the, they have the Egyptian army, Pharaoh's army behind them. And then here it is, they get to the Red Sea. They said, what are we going to do? And God says, aquarium. No, God, what you, what you mean? He told Moses, raise your staff and I'll part the Red Sea. Because God wanted them to know he'll make a way out of no way. He raises, Moses raises his staff, the sea parts, and they have their first aquarium experience. They walk through on dry land. Uh-huh. Could you imagine they come through and they see Nemo and Dory on one side? They see, they see Willie before he got captured. He was freed in. They see all of them just going through and they see sea lions and everything and wow, God has given beauty in the midst of their ashes because he makes a way out of no way and the very way that he made he ensures nothing can come out after them sometimes you got to remember God opens doors for you and shuts doors on the enemy if he opened the door for you he closes it so the enemy can't come behind you y'all need some Bible because when God told Moses he says look at these Egyptians he says you'll see them no more when they came through on the other side God shut the aquarium down yes he did and they all got drowned and so Moses decided to sing a song right after that in Exodus 15 too he says the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation he is my God and I will praise him has anybody in here experienced the deliverance of the Lord and you can say he's your strength and your song and you will praise him come on you know how he picked you up he turned you around he placed your feet on solid ground had it not been for the Lord who was on your side Hallelujah. And so the Lord, the Lord delivered them. He gave them victory in battle. He brings them through. He's our very present help. Very present help. And when you get this, this is just means he's easily accessible. He's easily accessible. We've oftentimes made faith difficult. Faith is simple. It costs a lot, but he paid it all. And so when we get to this idea, very present, easily accessible, it's like low-hanging fruit. In other words, he's saying that all you got to do is call on me and I'll be there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, long before uh, Marvin Gaye and, and Tammy wrote the song, Whenever You Call Me, I'll Be There, he had already told Jeremiah, if they call, I'll answer, right? He already said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you got to realize he's a very present help. We act like God lives far away. Right. What I mean by that, if you call him, it's like it's going to take him a long time to get there. He said, I'm a very present help. He might not show up how you want him to. He might not show up when you want him to, but he'll show up when he needs to. He's a very present help. And when I get to this idea of him being a very present help, it lets me know that if God is my refuge and my help, that all I got to do is learn how to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage because he's my very present help. And look, the psalm, the psalm is going good. The psalm is going good so far. God is our refuge and our strength and a very present help. I like that part. I like that part. Very present help. And then, then, then the, song, the sons of Korah had to add this part in him. In trouble. I got a problem with that part. Why, why we got to be in trouble? Like this, but here's the thing. God knows that this broken world is not void of trouble. We just have to find truth in trouble. When you don't have truth in trouble, you allow trouble to write the narrative versus truth write the narrative. Mm-hmm. And so when this moment happens, and it, listen, when they, wrote, and when they wrote these things, they named these national catastrophes that would occur. And so it says this in verse 2, therefore, we would not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake in its swelling. And so it says all these things, the earth would tremble, uh, it says mountains would topple, waters would roar, and all these things will happen. And he says that God is our very present help in the time of trouble. In the time of trouble, trouble, trouble. In Hebrew, trouble means in a tight spot, in a tight squeeze. This means that you in a jam, you behind the eight ball, you stuck like Chuck. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like when you are in trouble, I'm talking about trouble, trouble. I mean, you, uh, you up the creek without a what? Paddle. Um, I don't know if you ever been in the place of trouble. And the place of trouble is not trivial. The place of trouble is now you realize, look, I need God. Here's the thing. Many people have lived their life like God was optional. But if you ever really been through some stuff and you get to the place God is not optional, where it's not that I want God, it's like I need God. See, it's at that place you move from desire to desperation. When there's a pandemic, when there's civil unrest, when there's political catastrophes, when there's death and disease, when there's doctor's visits that turn out bad, it was a regular Tuesday until the doctor said, I'm not sure how much longer you got to live. This is trouble when your child is trouble and they begin to label your child, that's troublesome. And I know in this room right now, One thing that I am confident in, that many of us got some trouble in our lives. We got some things that are troublesome. We got some issues. And and in this moment, we got to be free in the moment to say, I admit, because my trouble does not disqualify me for God's help. My trouble qualifies me for God's help. Y'all, please get with that. Sometimes we think our struggle disqualifies us. Your struggle qualifies you to see God in a unique way. Here's what I realized. I was, I was reading scripture and I was praying and, and I ran across Psalm 112, verse 7. Psalm 112, verse 7. Uh-huh. And then when I ran across it, this is what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, they do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. 
And the Lord whooped my tail with that scripture. It says, they do not fear bad news. I realized in that moment, God was convicting me because I fear bad news like I don't trust God. He's saying you can't have both. You can't be afraid of the unknown and hold on to the one that knows all. Because God knew about me that I would give a level 10 response to a level 3 issue. Yeah, I'm letting you know, I've been diagnosed, I've been diagnosed with pop-off ability. Mm-hmm. I have the ability to pop off when it doesn't require it. Mm-hmm. I tell people, I get up early in the morning, pray, read my word, not because I'm holy, because I'm unholy. And before the world gets all of this, I need that to die. Uh-huh. I need to crucify that. People are like, preacher man, you like, listen, I am very honest because I know if God does not crucify my flesh, the world don't want none of this. Come on. All right. And, and, and so in that moment, the Lord convicted me and, and, and let me know I cannot respond. I realize... I, If I get bad news about an automobile and bad news about a family member being terminally ill, I will respond the same way. Not because I care more about the car than my family member. It's because any amount of bad news would send me in a panic. And some of us right now, you anxious and there's nothing wrong. You're just afraid of what might happen. And so you constantly live. And then you call it being responsible and prepared. But really it's the spirit of fear. It's a difference in being a steward and being scared. And so when I realize the spirit of fear comes upon us and we begin to respond like we have no hope. But the Bible begins to tell us in Psalm 46, and this is what I like about this. In Psalm 46, in verse 3, it says, I mean, verse 2 says, therefore, we would not fear even though. I like that word, even though. Because the word even though lets me know that if God won't take me out of it, he'll take me through it. See, I have to be confident that if God brought me to it, he'll see me through it. And if he can't see me through it, he'll take me over it. And if he can't take me over it, he'll dig a hole under it. But in other words, I got to trust that no matter what comes my way, God is with me. And so when I look at this moment, uh, what I recognize, I grew up in the Baptist church, y'all, and there were some old songs that they would sing. And this is the thing that, would, that, that got me. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone and life is living the worth. It's just because he lives and because God is on the throne, I have an even though type faith. I have an even though type hope that even though these things may come upon me I trust in the Lord David wanted to chime in this morning in Psalm 23 yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil because thou art with me his rod and his staff protect me but the hot boys hit me up Meshach, Shack, Rack and Abednego they had an even though type of faith they said even though if God does not take me out of the fiery furnace I'll go in and I won't bow down Daniel chimed in. He says I was hanging out with Mufasa and Simba and even though they wanted to try to get me God came through and closed the mouth of the lions. Is there anybody in here that got an even though type of faith an even though type of praise hell might be coming at me but I know who God is I got an even though faith, an even though praise. Yes the weapon may be formed Even though it's for, it will not prosper. Even though. Listen, before I leave, I 
want to just take you to verse 10. Psalm 43 verse 10. Because God is in control. What does it tell me to do? Be still. Oh, somebody shout be still. Be still. Be still. I don't know if you've ever been around some little kids. They always got energy. They always running around. Always talking. My grandma used to say something like this. Sit down somewhere. Hice your mouth. In other words, be still. When the problems of your life come, they'll try to cause you to be panicky. They'll try to cause you to be anxious. But I hear a word from the Lord. Be still. When you get the bad news, be still. When your struggle comes back up, be still. Be still and know that he is God, that he is our refuge, that he is our very present help. Yes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. God is our very present help. But I say he's our very present help. That means he's right here, right now. See, there was a prophetic word that says unto us a child will be given and a son will be born. His name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let me tell you, God wanted to be very present with us. And so he sent his darling son, Jesus. Is anybody glad that Jesus came? Because he saw us. He saw us in our time of need. When we were sinking in sin, when we were far from distant shores, Jesus drew near to us. When we were struggling and we needed a savior, he knew that by the shedding of his blood that there would be remission of sin. Isaiah said he'll be bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace would be upon him and by his stripes we would be healed. Is anybody glad about it today? He's our very present help. So what they do, they hung him high. They stretched him wide with nails in his hands and nails in his feet. A crown of thorns on his head. He hung his head and then he died. They put him in a borrowed tomb. But aren't you glad? That's not where the story is. Because three days later, three days later, he rose with all power in his hands. And if you know the God that I know, you know he has a name that's above every name. And at the mention of his name, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. What's his name? His name is Jesus. Somebody shout that name. Somebody shout him. Is he worthy? He rescued you from your sin. Oh God, I thank you. Hallelujah. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Shout unto the Lord. He says, I will be exalted in the earth. I will don't mountains, don't kingdoms fall. He says, I'll be exalted because he's ever present. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's our burden bearer. He's our good shepherd. He's the living water. He's the bread when we're hungry. He's the friend when we're lonely. He's a mother to the motherless. He's a father to the fatherless. Does anybody know him today? 
He got all the power, all the kingdoms, all in his hands. Let me call on the old child song. He's got the whole world in his hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. I am persuaded that neither death nor life Neither angels nor principalities shall separate us from the love of God. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Come on, let's praise God in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Family, something's about to break. I feel it in the spirit. I don't know what chains need to come down. Shout out to the Lord. I need about 30 people. Get undignified for a moment. Oh God, I thank you. Hallelujah. Thank him for what he's done. Thank him in advance for what he's about to do. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Jesus, oh God, we thank you. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. Hallelujah, Lord. They used to say, when I think about what he's done for me, my soul cries out. My soul cries out. Hallelujah. Hear it in the text. He says, I will be exalted. My daughter and my, and my niece was having a conversation. And they said, if Jesus is already the most high, how do we lift him higher? That's a good question. I'm going to tell you how you lift him higher. When you look at your situation and you decide to look to the hills from which come into your hell. When you're going through, you decide to set aside every sin and weight that easily entangles you. To exalt the Lord is to make him bigger than the psalmist would say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. It was always meant to be corporate. It was always meant to have a sound. And maybe in this season, the Lord is moving the cute, dignified Christian aside. I know we own businesses. I know we got a lot of stuff going on. You can be professional there, but be a praiser here. Right? make room just make room for God because when you're confident that God is your refuse your strength and your very present help you have a hope that the world can't give and the world can't take away I want to pray for you this morning eyes closed heads bow father we thank you we thank you Lord thank you for being with us in your word thank you for loving us so dearly God, I do pray for each and every person here under the sound range of my voice, those watching online, that they would know, Lord, that you are faithful. God, you are faithful and your love endures forever. God, we thank you.